How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. All right, thank you for tuning in to Chopping Like a Bit. This is episode 38. And on this episode, well, first off, it is election day. Hopefully you went out and voted. Um, if you didn't, you know, it's your choice. But um, yeah, I know it's a stressful day because if you didn't early vote, going out and voting and then, you know, sitting at home and watching the results can be stressful depending on who you voted for if your candidate's doing well or not so let's go ahead and take a look at the sports world give you something to take your mind off of all the madness and politics so with the eight week eight review i'm going to do what i normally do take a look at the big stories um basically big observations that i made from watching games over the weekend um, also will, of course, at the end of the episode, take a look at my week eight picks, see how well I did, see if I can bounce back from last week where I went three and three, which is not bad, but it's not great. So hopefully I can build off of that. But first I do want to take a look at the trade deadline. And if you were paying attention, not a lot happened over the... Well, there were a couple of moves that happened before today, but today was the trade deadline at 4 o'clock. You know, there were some rumors that could be a little bit of movement on trade deadline day. Ultimately, what happened, two minor moves. Uh, The Patriots added a wide receiver, Isaiah Ford, from the Miami Dolphins. Uh, He's a slot wide receiver. You know, he's got some talent, so with the Patriots' lack of depth of wide receiver, he should be able to come in. Now, I don't know with the whole you know, COVID protocols, whether or not he can play Monday night, but for sure he should be there for next week's game. And the Patriots could definitely use a wide receiver as they are starting undrafted players right now. Edelman's out. He's on IR, so he's gone for at least three weeks. Uh, Nikhil Harry's still coming back from concussion protocol. So right now their top wide receivers are Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird. So adding a wide receiver does not hurt. The Dolphins added running back DeAndre Washington from the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Dolphins made were a part of both moves today. Um, there were a couple of moves that almost happened. Uh, Green Bay was in talks with the Houston Texans. They were desperately trying to add Will Fuller, which we all know the Packers don't really have weapons outside of Devontae Adams. And 
It would have been a big deal if they could have gotten a second wide receiver. And Will Fuller is a, you know, good number two option. But those talks never came to fruition. So Will Fuller stays put. Packers didn't add a wide receiver. And on the wide receiver front, I know, I think it was two episodes ago I was talking about that I thought there could be a a big name wide receiver moved. And like I said, Will Fuller was close. Um, there was some thought Odell Beckham could have been moved, but then he got hurt. So that kind of took his name off the table. And then the whole Michael Thomas situation in New Orleans was definitely something to watch because there seems like there's a locker room issue going on there. You know, it all started with, I guess a cornerback made a comment about Michael Thomas, called him slant boy. He took obsession, uh, exception to it and you know they started fighting in the locker room he supposedly yelled at Sean Payton he's been out six weeks so I think some people are starting to think is he kind of nursing an injury is he really hurt and all that kind of stuff but he didn't get moved so it looks like he's going to finish out the year at least with the Saints Um, a couple of moves that did happen before today's deadline Uh, The Seahawks added Carlos Dunlop from the Bengals. He was unhappy in Cincinnati. I get it. He's been there for a few years. They haven't been good. He wanted to go to a contender. So the Seahawks got him. And that helps the Seahawks uh, pass rushing defense. Because we all know that the Seahawks secondary tends to give up a lot of yardage. So hopefully by bringing in a guy who can get to the passer will help the secondary on the back end, putting more pressure on the quarterback. So that's definitely a big move for Seattle. I like that move for Seattle. That's definitely a win for them. Uh, the Ravens got Yannick and Ngakwe from Jacksonville. He was another guy was you know unhappy on a bad team, wanted to get out, got out. Goes from a bottom feeding team to one of the top playoff teams in the AFC. You know, the Ravens have a pretty good defense as they, you know, currently situated, but adding Ngakwe just adds to their, you know, pass rushing ability. So, you know, maybe that's uh, a move that can make the defense a little better, which then takes some pressure off of the offense in terms of how many points they have to score so could be a win-win for the you know helping out the offense because maybe they don't have to score as much helping the defense because it gives them pass rushing depth and then another name that was supposed to be moved at least there was thoughts of it Stefan Gilmore with New England didn't get traded so it looks like he's staying even though there was that report last week that he had put his house up for sale but supposedly within the uh, listing, it said it had to be sold by today. So it was a real cryptic message in there. So some people thought that he was probably told he was going to get traded. But like I said, nothing happened. So he's staying in New England. Reports are that he's happy with that. He's okay with that. So we'll have to see. Although Gilmore is hurt right now but we'll see maybe 
with him staying there. We might see him on the field Monday night against the Jets. So that's something else to look at. But yeah, quiet deadline. So now going into the second half of the year, the rosters are pretty much set. So the teams who probably should have made moves but didn't, your Packers, who needed to get a wide receiver, didn't. Uh, Patriots added a wide receiver, but some people thought they were going to be sellers. They didn't do any of that. So, yeah, second half of the season. We'll have to see how that plays out. Um, but, yeah, so now looking at the the top stories from this past weekend, I you know, like I say, I watch quite a bit of games on Sunday and Monday. Well, it's one game Monday, but I do watch a lot of games on Sunday. Then there's some other ones I catch highlights of. So from that, there's, I think, three major storylines coming out of the weekend that you definitely have to look forward to for the second half of the year. The first story, my Patriots lost their fourth straight game. Somewhere, Rex Ryan is probably, I don't know, Rolling around somewhere just giddy as ever. But yes, lost four straight. Played against the Bills. They actually played better. You know, they were in the game in the end. They lost 24-21. And the offense was in a position to at least tie the game. Possibly, to go, you know, get the go-ahead touchdown. But Cam Newton, as he was running off the right side in the red zone, down around the 10-yard line. He got stripped from behind, fumbled it, Buffalo recovered, and that was the game. Now, Buffalo didn't do much through the air, but the weather conditions kind of forced that. They were able to get 190 yards on the ground, which is a troubling sign for New England. Uh, Their rush defense has been pretty bad all year, but they they have a way of keeping teams out of the end zone I mean they did give up 24 but I mean you give up 190 yards on the ground usually you get blown out in games like that so Cam was more effective against Buffalo but it's still a loss so coming out of the game I was automatically thinking does Cam deserve the starting job anymore they're two and five. You know, it's looking like it's a rebuild year. You have a young guy behind him and Jared Stidham. We still don't really know what Stidham is because he hasn't really gotten a real opportunity to play yet. When he has come in, it's been mop-up duty. He throws a couple of passes and then he's done for weeks at a time. So, so yeah. I mean, Belichick came out after the game. He said, Cam's our guy going forward. At first, I was kind of like, nah. Haven't we seen enough of what Cam is? But I do get it because if this is a lost year, a rebuild year, transition year, bridge year, whatever you want to call it. I mean, Cam is kind of He's in desperation mode. So Cam needs to perform well 
in order to set up his next contract, whether that's getting re-signed by New England, getting back on the free agent market and finding a spot somewhere else. So Cam needs the rest of the second half of this season just as much as Belichick needs it to evaluate talent. So, like I said, I think at being 2-5, and five, we have to look at it as a rebuild year. Buffalo is now 6-2. and two. The Dolphins are 4-3. and three. I mean, looking at making up three and a half games, basically four games on Buffalo at this point with uh, nine to go for New England. I mean, that's that's like a steep hill to climb. Even catching, uh, I think Cleveland has the last playoff spot right now, and Cleveland's even up on New England two and a half games. So that's not that much of a hill to climb, but it's, I don't know because the way that they're playing you can't really expect them to go let's see nine games left like six and three seven and two i mean i'm a big patriots fan i don't even see that happening so because you look at it now you have the jets game fine but you have baltimore coming down the road the very next game you have the texans which you know should be a win but you have the upstart Cardinals coming in four weeks. The Chargers. The Chargers have played well with their young quarterback, Herbert. You have the Rams still. Dolphins again. Bills. I mean. Yeah, at this point, you kind of just have to face facts. You're out of the running this year. It's a rebuild. And then third thing coming out of the game which I heard a lot, you know, on ESPN or whatever. Now there's all this talk about the de- the um, dynasty. Is the dynasty over? I don't think you can really call it over yet. I feel like for the dynasty to be over, there has to be multiple years of average, below average play. So, you know, run the scenario with me. Okay, so this year they struggle. You could call it the COVID hangover. You know, they had eight guys more than any other team withdraw before the season. They've had injuries, all other you know issues. But if they come back next year, make some tweaks to the roster, they win the division, win 10, 11, maybe 12 games. Isn't that just kind of an extension of the dynasty? It would just be a new chapter within the same book. So I'm not ready to call the dynasty over because I think the dynasty still... Yes, Brady's gone. Like I said, that's the first part of the dynasty. But I think as long as Belichick is still coaching the team, then technically the dynasty can still continue, if that makes sense. So for me, I'm not ready to call it over. I know a lot of people are. Rex Ryan, Bart Scott, guys like that, but not me. So another game. Seahawks, um, 49ers. And then coming out of that game, 
George Kittle gets hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo re-injures himself. Now he has a high ankle sprain. George Kittle, I believe, broke his foot. Uh, so 49ers came, come out of that game being 4-4. Four and four. And the question that needs to be asked is, is Jimmy G's time in San Francisco over? He's supposedly going to be out four to six weeks. I mean, you can basically say his season's over. Because let's say long in, six weeks he's out. They've already played eight games. They have eight left. He'd be coming back with two games left. I mean, at that point, they could be... Let's say they split their games seven and seven. You know, two games left. They have an outside shot at the playoffs. That'd be a big deal for them. But let's say they struggle, go with two and four in their next six games. It was six and eight. Is it really any reason to bring him back out there? And then with his injury history, you know, he was banged up his couple of years in New England. Now he's been banged up out in San Francisco. What does San Francisco do with him? My thing is, I guess what we've seen is you can't really rely on Garoppolo right now. He's still relatively young, but just fat to face facts that he's going to get injured every year. It's just the way it seems right now. So I don't think you can really commit big money to him, but I think he can probably be a starting quarterback in the league. Although I don't know if it's... Like, the more I look at it, I, I think his time in San Francisco, and San Francisco, unfortunately, may be over. Then it makes you wonder, you know, if Belichick supposedly had gotten his way, kept Garoppolo, and moved on from Brady a few years ago, would Garoppolo's story be any different? Like I said, when he was with New England, he had, um, like, a shoulder injury. That kept him out when he actually had the chance to start. He got hurt within his first game. So, who knows? Maybe Jimmy Garoppolo becomes one of those quarterbacks where there's always a what if attached to his. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, Use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. No paragraph. You know he led the 49ers to the, 40, to the Super Bowl. What if he didn't get hurt all the time? He could have been uh, the the next guy in New England after Brady. What if he didn't get hurt when he finally had a chance to start? Could have showed something. Maybe they would have moved on from Brady. So, but on the other side of that. With Kittle getting hurt, Kittle's their best offensive weapon. Now, like I said, he has a broken foot. There's like conflicting reports about how long he's going to be out. I think doctors are saying six to eight weeks. Kittle's going around telling people he'll probably be back in two weeks. They put him on IR, so he's out at least three weeks. So I guess once he gets off of IR in three weeks, we'll reevaluate where he is. In terms of his rehab, whether he's going to rest it and hope it. Well, he's probably going to have that surgery, but we'll see how quick of a healer he is. Like I said, they're 4-4. Four and four. They're in arguably the best division in football. They trail. They're actually in last place in their division, so they trail the Cardinals, the Rams, and the Seahawks. So if you're looking at the next four games, which Garoppolo is going to at least miss, you they have the Packers, they go to the Saints, to the Rams, and they have the Bills. I mean, is it a stretch to say best case scenario? They go two and two in that stretch, but could easily go zero and four, one and three, and then at that point. Where are they in the division? Are they now, you know, three, four games out? Will they still be in contention of a playoff spot? I think what those questions may determine if Garoppolo is ready to come back, how quickly he does, you know, get thrust back into the starting lineup. So for right now, it looks like they're going to go with Nick Mullins. I mean, we'll see how that goes because... I don't think Nick Mullins is the guy you want exposed to defenses for multiple weeks because it's going to be easy to figure him out, and then he's probably just going to struggle. But, you know, watching San Francisco San Francisco these next couple weeks will be interesting because I do want to see, do they rally around Mullins? Can Shanahan come up with a game plan to help him? And can they... You know, upset a couple of these teams in the next four games. I mean, the Saints game is probably the most winnable. Uh, Buffalo, depending on where Buffalo is at that point, can be winnable. Green Bay. Green Bay has uh, has shown, especially with their last game and losing to Minnesota, that they can struggle and then they become very beatable. So, who knows? And then, 
Uh, I guess the final observation I made was from the Ravens and Steelers game. Uh, Ravens had a shot late in that game to win that one as well. Came up short, lose to the Steelers 28-24. So Steelers are still the last remaining undefeated team. So shout out to them. Um, And then with that, I was thinking, I think Pittsburgh's kind of gotten through the toughest part of their schedule. So does Pittsburgh now have the number one seed locked up already? I mean, yeah, think about Hmm. that. Hmm. I mean, that's an interesting question to ask. Uh, They are 7-0, like I said, and... You know, they've already played Baltimore once. They got through the Cleveland game. They played them once already. They got through Tennessee. So, before they play Baltimore again, which will be their next toughest game, they've got Cowboys, Bengals, Jaguars in between. Very easily could be 10-0 by the time they get to Baltimore. And... That second game is in Pittsburgh, so that definitely works in the Steelers' favor. And then once they, if they get past that, it's Washington, Buffalo, which could be a tough one. But then Cincinnati, Indianapolis, and Cleveland to end the year. So that's 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 gonna be interesting. And for Pittsburgh. If they were able to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs, that would be a big deal for them. Because we all know Heinz Field uh, in the playoffs. If they can get fans in the stadium, that's always a loud stadium to play in. And then you add in the elements with the weather that possibly there with the swirling wind and all that. I'm sure they would love to have Kansas City go there instead of Pittsburgh going to Kansas City. But right now they have a, a half-game lead in the conference with Kansas City being 7-1. and one. Pittsburgh sitting at 7-0. and oh. So, definitely worth watching there. Uh, but Lamar Jackson struggled, which I said when I previewed this game. Pittsburgh has to make... Lamar Jackson beat them with his arm. And what did he prove? He went 13 for 28. 65.8 passer rating. 12.5 QBR. QBR is out of 100. So 12.5. Terrible. Perfect passer rating is like 153 point something or whatever. So 65.8. Not good at all. And... You know, you look inside the numbers, you see why those numbers are so low. So Baltimore had four turnovers. You're going to rarely win any games when you have four turnovers. Much less, all four turnovers came over from Lamar Jackson. He had two interceptions, and he lost two fumbles. He actually had three fumbles, but two of them, Pittsburgh recovered. I mean, your quarterback can't play like that especially come playoffs and expect to win many playoff games. So the troubling trend I'm seeing here is this looks like another season where, yeah, they make the playoffs, but they come up short once they get to the playoffs. And remember before the season, this was a team that's supposed to be in the AFC uh, title game 
against Kansas City and with the possible chance of moving on to the Super Bowl. I'm not seeing it right now. Lamar still hasn't shown me anything throwing the ball-wise. I saw him make some passes in that Pittsburgh game. He throws a very wobbly football, <laughs> a very wobbly football. And like I said, if he had to go to Pittsburgh, one of those windy days in January, that wobbly ball is going to go all over the place. You have to be able to throw tight spirals in some of these outdoor stadiums in the AFC. You know, like Kansas City. You can get inclement weather. Um, I just said Pittsburgh. Even in Baltimore, you could have bad weather in the playoffs. Look at Buffalo. You're probably destined to get bad weather there. So, Lamar definitely has to step his game up. You know, they do get another shot at Pittsburgh in three weeks so he can redeem himself. But right now, Ravens look like they might be in a little bit of trouble. Not to miss the playoffs or anything, but to make any noise in the playoffs, they're in trouble. But there you are. Those are the, I think, the three biggest observations I made from watching football. You know, like I said, it was a great weekend of games as each weekend has been, but yeah. So, uh, a couple episodes down the road, well, later in the week, we will take a look ahead to week nine in the NFL. But right now, before we can officially wrap up week eight, gotta look at my picks from week eight. So, I did mention, okay, so if you are new, six picks every week, at least. Falcons game, because I'm in the Atlanta area. Patriots game, born and raised Boston, big Patriots fan. So Thursday night game, Sunday night game, Monday night game, and then kind of a wild card pick from the Sunday slate that's caught my eye. So this week... Get it kicked off. Um, First pick was Thursday Night Football, which actually happened to have the Atlanta Falcons. Um, Now, I do pick the games against the spread. I don't just pick the winner. I gave myself a little bit of a challenge. I do it against the spread. And I take the spread from ESPN. I'm trying to get to 60%. By the end of the year, I'm now at 21 and 20 right now. 51%. So, I'm a little under 60, but... I still still have plenty of season ahead of me to get up to 60. So, like that, uh, Carolina was a two-and-a-half-point home favorite against the Falcons. So, once again, teachable moment. All that means is Carolina two-and-a-half-point favorite. In order for them to cover the spread and win for picking Carolina, They'd have to beat Atlanta by basically a field goal or more. So there you go. Quick explanation. But, yeah, so I took Carolina. And, of course, in Falcons fashion, they make me lose the pick yet again as they beat Carolina 25-17. to So, start off the week 0-1. Second game. 
I took New England to cover against Buffalo. Buffalo was a three and a half point home favorite in that game. Like I said, my Patriots came up short, but it was a 24-21 Buffalo win. So New England, you know, coming within the three and a half, actually covered, meaning that's a win for me. So yeah, so that situation, three and a half point favor for Buffalo. They won, but only by three, not three and a half or more. So New England actually covers. So right now, one and one on the week. Uh, third game was I took Green Bay to cover over Minnesota. Green Bay was a six and a half point home favorite. I thought this one was my lock of the week. I thought I had no shot at losing this one because Minnesota's just that bad. And of course, in Aaron Rodgers fashion, he lets me down. Green Bay loses that game 28-22 to Minnesota, which means... <laughs> I lost on the pick as well. So, I'm 1-2 on the week right now. It's already starting to shape up as another 3-3 three and three week, which is not what I had planned coming into this week, but let's keep going. Uh, I took Tennessee to cover uh, against the Bengals. The Bengals were a 5.5 point underdog, meaning I'm picking Cincinnati to lose the game by at least six points um, but Cincinnati actually ended up pulling the upset beating Tennessee 31 to 20 so that is yet another loss for me so now I'm one and three on the week I have two games left best I can do is three and three so let's keep going uh, the second game of the week which I felt very confident about was another nail biter um, I picked the Eagles to cover against Dallas. Philadelphia, six and a half point home favorite. So watching that game, I, by about midway through the third quarter, thought that this was going to be a game where Carson Wentz and Philadelphia play down to Dallas and win by like a field goal. And I was going to lose that game and I was just going to lose it. But they ultimately... Pulled away from Dallas late. They win the game 23-9. to Like I said, six and a half point favorite. So that's a cover for me. That's a win. So it comes down to this last game. Two and three on the week. One game left. And it's Tampa Bay. I picked Tampa Bay to cover against the Giants. The Giants were a ten and a half point underdog. Home underdog. But I looked at this. I was like... The Giants are terrible. Brady and Tampa Bay are starting to take off. Why wouldn't they be able to win by 10 and a half? Once again, you watch that game. Daniel Jones did as much as he could. And I have to be honest. The Giants probably should have won that game. I mean, they they played the best game that I've seen them play. I've seen them play a couple of games so far this year. But they looked really good in that game against a really good Tampa Bay team. Ultimately, Tampa Bay pulled it out controversially. Was that pass interference? Mm, I don't know. But Tampa Bay gets the win 25-23. But the Giants end up covering. So that's a loss. So 
to recap the two I got right Patriots covering against Buffalo and Philly against Dallas so I, two wins four losses four losses were I picked Carolina to cover against Atlanta Green Bay cover Minnesota Tennessee Cincinnati and the Tampa Bay cover against the Giants four losses so I go two and four this week which means overall I am 23 and 24 so I'm back under 500 uh, that's rough but hey we're only halfway through the season so second half will be better than the first half I would guarantee it, but I'm not going to. And there you are. Those are my week eight picks. Once again, we'll look forward to week nine. We'll do better in week nine. But with that, comes to the close of this episode. So if you're new, thank you for tuning in. Hope you liked what you heard. Uh, definitely hit the like on the Facebook page, Chopping at the Bit. Or... Give the show a follow on Twitter at Chomping Podcast. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, whether you are listening on Spreaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, Amazon Music, wherever it's probably there. So definitely hit that subscribe button. Helps would help me out a lot. Or follow. What if you're on the YouTube page? Uh, it's under my page, Kyle Edwards, but all the episodes are there as well. You can follow the YouTube channel. That way you can get all the episodes when I drop them. So, so yeah, so thanks again. Um, like I said, it's election night that I'm recording this, but hopefully your candidate wins. If not, well, got four more years till the next election. So be safe out there and... Thanks again, tuning in, and I'll definitely catch you the next episode, which we will take a look at the Thursday night football game, as well as updated top 10 football teams going into week nine, and we'll cover whatever big news happens in the sports world. So, all right, catch you then. Have a good one. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.